welcome to the weekly message from Encounter, where your past has no future and hope is reborn. Our speaker today is Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. Talk to you for a few minutes about going about doing good. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says this. And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. It's, it's funny when you, you go back and you read a little bit about history. You know, we, we, we have these idyllic ideas of what the 50s were like and the 40s and how life was so different and in many ways it was different. But they talked about then, about all the stress that they have in life. And, 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 and to try to alleviate that stress, they were creating things. How many have ever been to Disney World? At Disney World, they have a, a, a thing you get on, and it's kind of a, it, it just basically just takes a big theater, and it runs it around in circles. But at each stop, it showed another, you know, the 1920s and the 1930s and 1940s, and, and, and how that things had, quote, unquote, improved, and, and all of the gadgets that we've invented, a microwave oven. I remember the first time I saw a microwave oven, it was on a ship. We were out deep sea fishing, and there was like 60 people on this boat, and, and they had a little, little place where you could get a, a, a hamburger, hot dog, and you, you paid $2, and they took this thing, and, and they stuck it in this thing, and pressed a button, and 60 seconds later, it's hot. I, I don't need reason to buy food, but I, I kept going back and buying hamburgers because this was incredible. You just, in 60 seconds, your food is ready. Think what we're going to do with all that time. And, you know, we've got cars that go faster and everything's automated. And, and yet we're more stressed than ever before. Aren't we? we? We got telephone. We can text message. We can call each other on an instant. Remember, there used to be a time when there was no cell phones. And then my, my son hurt my feelings the other day. We were talking about how things have changed, you know, and he goes, man, Dad, it used to really be different. When you were a kid, did they have electricity? <laughs> that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> He's still grounded. Um... <laughs> It's amazing that we have so many things, a microwave, a cell phone, a computer. How did we ever survive without Google? We, you know, we, we plan our trips. We check out hotels. We buy tickets. We check the weather. We call each other up. We can microwave food in seconds, what used to take a long time and and yet we still don't have any time. And we, we live in a world that's just over-the-top stressed. My wife and I just, October this year, moved into an apartment complex. That's the first time since she and I were 
newlyweds that we live in an apartment and and uh, and there's people stressed in that apartment complex they're just struggling with life I don't know how else to put it I'm not saying they're bad people it's just they're stressed not all of them but they're stressed life is stressful but it was stressful back in these days in the days when Jesus walked this earth that life was stressful and This verse has been going over my spirit for a couple of weeks now, and he just went about doing good. You know what I like about that verse? Is the casual nature of it. You know, it's just natural to get up in the morning and get dressed, and it's, it's just natural when your body's hungry, you eat, when you're thirsty, you drink, when you're tired, you go to sleep. And in Jesus, he just went about doing good. It's not that he didn't have any stress in his life. He was here to save the whole planet. If you think about it, there's some stress involved. We all die and go to hell if he fails. I'm not trying to be facetious, but that's a reality. Here's a man who knew stress, and yet it was just his natural nature. He, You get the sense when you read this that he didn't have to get up and you know, and oh, I got oh, I got to do something good today. He he just went about doing good. It was as natural to him as breathing. Just just went about doing good. Just run into you. He just did good. He just. In spite of the whole weight of the world on his shoulders, good morning. He did good. He helped you. We, JJ and I were walking in the apartment, and there was a lady at the next building down, and, and it, she was an elderly lady, and she, she had her, her groceries in a cart, and she was trying to pull it through the, the snow in the, in the parking lot and get up to her, the doors of her apartment, and she was struggling with it, and as soon as we saw that, J.J. went running over to help her, and, and he went up to her, and he said, can I help you? And she, she got all startled, and she said, what? He said, I want to help you. Well, well I can't pay you. No, we just, we just want to help you. She, she seemed genuinely shocked. You hold a door for somebody. They, they seem genuinely shocked anymore. You say nice things to people and it's like you've interrupted their moment of misery. They're they're at first, they they snap at you. Let me know what I'm talking about. You you be nice to them and they're like, "What, what? What? Walked out of a restaurant the other day with Gil Beth and this couple coming in and I said, don't bother going in, we eat all the food. What? Serious, dude, I'm just kidding. Just chill. Okay, I'm just kidding. I I left some crumbs for you. But but this world is it's 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 hungry for kindness. And as I shared with you a couple of months ago, it, it was amazed me when I came to this revelation that when God described what love is. The ingredients that he said that made up love were not on my list of the top ten. 
You know, H2O describes what water is. It's two hydrogen atoms, one atom of oxygen. Those two combined make up water. God gave us the makeup of love, and he said, this is what love is. It's patient. It's kind. That's it. Kind. The Bible says in the days that we are and I are living in that man will lack natural affection. We're, we're losing. We've lost the ability just to be nice to each other. Even in our political elections, I can, I, I can accept somebody having a view different than another individual's, but do we have to get so nasty? Do you know what I'm talking about? Can't it be civil? Can't we disagree and just be civil? Can't we accidentally move into somebody else's lane on the highway and not get... Just, just across the street, J.J. and I were... In fact, I had, we were coming or going from Wednesday night. I had a bunch of kids in the car and needed gas, so we pulled over to Speedway, and some lady got all upset because she thought I was stupid, I guess, and she showed me I was number one. In front of the kids. She got so mad she got out of her vehicle and she displayed it for everybody to see. That guy's number one. <laughs> All I did was try to pull in and get gas. People are just, the, the, we, we live in a world that's angry. What a great opportunity. Can I tell you, I think that sometimes we make this Christian thing just too hard. Jesus just went about doing good. I know there are people in this room you, you want to see, you want God to use you to deliver others of demons and you want God to heal people through you. That's a noble idea. But here it started with Jesus went about doing good and then he delivered and healed. But first there was in his heart an attitude, a desire to just do good. To better somebody's situation at your own expense. It's kind of what God did for us. He looked at the mess we were in and knew that we couldn't fix this on our own. And so he, he, he left what he had and he risked it all to come down here to, to better our situation. And he did it with kindness and he did it with love. And his, his modus operandi was just to go around doing good. And it doesn't put any definition on that. It could have been a nice word. It could have been a joke. It, it could have been a kind heart. It could have been a, a listening ear. It could have been a lot of things. But we get this. It just seems like it was just natural. Years ago, we were at San Antonio, Texas for a convention of Church of God. They gather every two years from around the world and and um, and so they invade a city by thirty or forty thousand people, and I, I, frankly, I was embarrassed. I uh, was sitting in a restaurant, and and this is a convention town. It's a beautiful city, and and I asked the waitress. I said, "Man, you guys are busy." And she go, she didn't know we were with the Church of God. She said, "Yeah, there's some big church group in town." I said, "How's that going?" She goes, "I hate it." 
I said, why? She goes, they are the nastiest, rudest people. I'm not throwing stones. But it shouldn't be that way. I just, I just happen to think that wherever we go, we ought to be the brightest bulbs in the candelabra. I think we, they, they ought to look, be glad when we come. I think you can even complain and walk away and still be respected and be kind about it. I think so. I think that, that one of the things that we've lost in the church is just this ability just to be kind. To just go around doing good. It ought to just come out of our nature. It ought to just be as natural as breathing. I've been asked, Pastor, don't you ever get in a bad mood? Do you never have any problems? I have problems. But I've allowed God to change the nature of my heart that the problems are small and he's big. And getting nasty has never fixed a problem I've ever had. What it has done is caused me to get stressed out. I read a headlines and drudge report today. It said that they, they, they now suspect that 9 out of 10 ailments and diseases are caused or dramatically increased by the presence of stress in our lives. So I want to walk around stressed. Why? <laughs> I've never stressed over one problem and made it any better. I can either laugh through it or I can just get stressed through it, but you know what? I'm going to get through it. And Jesus just walked around doing good. It just, it's as natural as breathing. I think as Christians, it ought to be that way. Number one, I think the person you're married to ought to think that you're just a kind, good person. (laughs) Wow, that went over like a rock. Man. I just threw that in. I thought I'd get support on that one. I just think your family ought to say, he's kind. She's kind. I don't agree with her. I don't agree with him. But they're kind. I think doing good ought to just be natural. I think if you really want to show your spouse that you love them, show patience and kindness. 30 years of counseling, I have never had a husband or wife show up in my office and say, Pastor, i got a real problem. My wife is too patient and kind with me. In fact, it's usually a little bit more of the opposite. They're impatient and they're not kind. I think that your neighbors ought to see you as patient and kind. I think that we ought to have the natural ability just to walk around doing good. I say this for reference. I'm not trying to bag. I'm just, brag. I'm just saying. Uh, we walked into subway. You know, this subway down here. There was a, a young lady that works in there. She used to be really nasty, and she'd bark at us every time we'd order food. And so I just every time I'd go in there with JJ, man, I'd joke with her. I'd crack on. I started cracking how mean she is. We'd get ready to step next in line and. She'd be back around. I said, okay, JJ, get ready for the attack. Here she comes. I'd say it out loud so she could hear me. She got there laughing about that. We'd go through the line ordering our food, and I'd tell, I'd tell all the other people, I said, 
praying for you, got to work for, with her. That's got to be tough. And if you figured out why she's so mean, I'd laugh. She chilled after a while. Every time we'd go, I'd make another crack, and pretty soon she was just, she was being mean just to be funny. Now we were all laughing about it. Hadn't gone in there for several weeks and went in the other day and walked in the door and there's a big commotion and some of them quick ran in the back room and then they came out and they brought her out and she goes, oh, where you been? I said, just haven't been here for a few weeks. All right, all right. I told them to let me know when you came in. I wanted to take care of you. She had been in the back room, and I don't even know her name, but she just, I think, we ought to, I think we ought to walk around being kind. My mom used to say you can attract more flies with honey than you can with, with uh, bitterness. What is it? Vinegar. I said, why do I want to attract flies, Mom? You say this stuff, and it's just stupid. I understand what you're trying to say, but I don't want any flies. But when, when, when people see that God has changed the nature of our heart and, 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 and that comes out in kindness where it's just natural just to be kind. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. Well, he just narrowed it down. He said, you want to know, you want to know what God is looking for out of you? Love him with all your heart. But you can't do that without getting the other side of the coin. You've got to love your neighbor. Go around doing good. He says, in fact, this is so important. Everything that was written about in the law and everything the prophets ever spoke to you are hanging on this coat rack. Love God, love your neighbors. We make it too hard. I I don't think, I don't think you win people to God by knowing the Roman road and Quoting scriptures, pointing to them, you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. And I, I think you allow the love of God to shine through your life. And, and it makes them desiring what you have. We in the church are spending so much of our time and energy complaining about how dark it's getting out in the world. But we fail to see that the darker it gets, the lighter we shine. 
And we really are making this way too hard. We are like the only shop giving away cold water in the middle of the desert. And we can't figure out a way to give it away. We're in a world that's getting dark. We're in a world that's getting mean. And we ought to have the light and we ought to have kindness. No matter what's going on. Somebody give me an amen. I think that's just the way it ought to go. And and when we understand, that's what God is looking for out of us. This lawyer came to him, tempting him. What's the greatest commandment? He gives them two. Why? Because you can't separate them. It does matter to God how you treat your spouse. Don't elbow them right now. Not a good time. It does matter to God. It does matter to God how you treat your children. Amen. It does matter to God. Those things matter. It does matter to God how you treat those around you. It it does matter to God how you treat the waitress. It does matter how you treat the, the person here or the person at Walmart. Or It matters to God. Here's how much it matters to him. Matthew 25. That's out of order. Okay. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, this is Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set up the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, and saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? And, or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to, the least, to the, one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him, saying, Lord... When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer saying, answer them saying, Assuredly I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
what, those were words out of Jesus' own mouth. It matters. It matters how you treat somebody else. I met a young man, his name was Steve. He was 35 going on 8. He had mental challenges and he was a case. He was a case. He, you know, he didn't come to church that often, but he seemed to always know when we were having a church dinner. And um, uh, Steve had, had problems with his mouth, so he had you know, large teeth, and, and he never brushed them. So it was like a garden, okay, in his, in his mouth. And uh, um, different pretty colors and things like that. And, and he, he, would, he would sometimes sit down at the meal, and you didn't want him sitting across from you because he loved to talk while he might had a mouthful of food. And you just needed a splatter shield. Eh, that's not enjoyable, I understand. But he, he took a liking to one of the guys in the church who, who liked him the least. <laughs> and who had the patience of a gnat. His name was Bob. And, and Steve would grab his plate of food and he'd sit down across the table from, from Bob and eat. And Bob was one of these guys, not a hair out of place, you know. Everything just so. And he'd be all panicked. He said, I'm up a pound and a half. I've got to lose this. I'm not even going to go there. I can be a pound and a half up from morning to the evening. Okay? <laughs> but, but Steve would sit across from Bob Blair and he'd talk and food would splatter. And, and Bob finally came to me and he said, listen, Pastor, you're going to have to do something about Steve. We can't have this every time we have a, a, a meal function. If I can't have what? Him coming and sitting there and talking and ruining my supper. And I said, Bob, you don't get it. He's a test. He's a least of these. You see him as an annoyance. You don't understand. He's a least of these. And God your Father is watching how you treat him. I said, if that doesn't sit home with you, let me say this. He has never probably mentally reached the age of accountability. I think he has a do-not-go-to-jail card in his pocket. He's, you know what I'm saying? I said, so it doesn't matter how he treats you. But it does matter how you treat him. And it does. The least of these. But you know what? I don't think, I don't think when Jesus is saying this, I don't think he's talking about real food. And that's fine. If that works for you, that's fine. But he's the same one that said, don't worry about those that can affect your body. Worry about those that can affect your soul. So it seemed to me it would be contrary to them to then to focus on your body. See what I'm saying? I'm not saying we shouldn't feed the hungry. We should. should. I understand that. I think he's also talking about spiritual. There's a whole society out there that's hungry for God. They just can't find him. They don't see him in us. There's a man who was a renowned atheist back in the 1930s over in Europe, and 
He went around making lots of money, speaking at universities about the, the non-existence of God. And one day he was on a train and a well-known preacher recognized who he was, sat down in a seat next to him and said, I want to talk to you about the problem you have with Jesus. And the atheist said, ah, you misunderstand me. I don't have a problem with Jesus. It's you Christians I have a problem with. If I ever met one of you that was like him, I would probably be unemployed. Yeah. I want to share one more verse with you, and then John chapter 17, my favorite chapter, my favorite chapter and book in all the Bible. Jesus is praying to the Father, and we pick it up in verse number 20. John 17, verse 20, it says this. He's talking to his dad, and he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Here's what he's praying, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. Here's a mystery that's very cloudy to me. I wish it was crystal clear and it's not yet, but here's the mystery that I'm, I'm, I'm getting from this verses as we close, and it's this, that Jesus said, when you do it to the least of one of these, you're not really doing it to them, you're doing it to me. Follow me? He's, you, you, you gave it to me. You did it to me. You reached out to me. When I was, and see, he was talking, he said, I, I was in prison. Think about that for a moment. Jesus saying, I was in prison and you cared about me. I was alone and you cared. I was hungry and you cared. I was thirsty and you cared. I, I was struggling and you cared. And when you did, you thought you were doing it to them, but you were really doing it to me. Now, I know that Jesus cannot pray a prayer that will not be answered because the only reason a prayer isn't answered is if it doesn't line up with the will of God. And since he is God, when he prays a prayer, it's going to be answered at some point in time. And here was his prayer. His prayer was, Father, I want John. to be in you and me, and I want us to be in John. I want John's relationship with us to be such that he's in us and we're in him. Father, like you and I are one, let them be one. And another time Jesus said this, you've seen the Father... You've seen me. You've seen me. You've seen the Father. Why? Because he was so much alike. And Jesus said, I want our children to have that same kind of experience. So that when somebody encounters John, 
they think they've encountered me. I don't know what all that means. It means something. And I think it starts with kindness. I think it just starts there. I think it just starts with going around being kind. Being kind. Jesus walked around doing good. It wouldn't matter whether you were a 5-year-old or a 15-year-old or a 50-year-old or a 150-year-old. We all had the capacity to be kind. And this world is dying for that. How many in here would love to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recover? That's the will of God for you. That absolutely is the will of God for you. How many, if you were, if you were to encounter a demon-possessed person, how many would like to cast a demon out? Amen. Amen. I think that begins with being kind. Now, I know you can go on YouTube and you can see a million, that's an exaggeration, you can see a lot of videos of demons being cast out. A lot of it is just, is just goofy. I don't know how else to say it. It's just goofy. I mean, there's yelling and there's shaking and there's screaming and there's commands and I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not judging anybody. I'll simply tell you this. I've lost track of the number of demons I've cast out and I've never had to yell at any of them. Never had to yell at any demon. It's kindness. When you know that he that is in you is greater than he that's out there, you don't have to yell. And I tell you, parents, when you yell at your children, you're already displaying you've lost control. You got to yell at your dog, you're already displaying you've lost control. <laughs> Uh-oh. Okay, I'll back that one up. Let's just leave that one alone. You ought to be able to say, Bingo, come here. And Bingo, come. Amen? And a demon is no different. A demon is no different. I've never had a yell at a demon in all my life. Never had to in all my life. I've been there and disappointed people when they frustrated themselves at the altar for 20 minutes, hollering and screaming, and five of you hold them, and blah, 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 blah. And then in a few moments, it's over with. I think all of that starts with first going about doing good. We pray every time we have devotions. We, we pray this. When we're about to go somewhere, we pray this. God, help us to be a blessing to everybody we encounter. The waitress, the, the clerk at Walmart, the guy that helps us with this, the, the person in the parking lot, the even the person at the gas station gets so angry at me for, I still don't know what I did wrong, that she's got to jump out of her car and scream at the top of her lungs and say, I'm number one. JJ goes, what is she so mad about? And he was, he was bothered that I wasn't upset by that. 
mean, it was focused and right. <laughs> and I said, you don't know what she's going through. And probably most everybody else that sees that would want to do it back or beep or yell back, but I now have got somebody I need to pray for. Do unto others. If I ever get that angry and upset, pray for me. Amen? So I'm going to present you with a challenge today. It's called 2020. I'll explain what that means in just a moment. That's what the googly eyes are all about. I know you've been thinking, been stared at. They, I don't know if they've got any girls' restrooms. Do, yeah, in the guys' room, we've got them in the stall. There's eyes looking at you in there. I'll just leave that alone. But all over the building, there have been eyes. I, I, I think that in your own personal walk, things can turn around if we, if we, if we get our eyes off of ourselves and start to see the needs of other people. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Here, you want to be happy? Seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things will be added unto you. And so when I come across somebody who is struggling in life, they're not experiencing the kingdom of God. And I can share that with them in the moment. Jesus invaded the upper room and the disciples were hiding there for fear of the Jews. And he showed up and he said, Peace. I'm going to give you peace. And it's not like the world gives peace because their peace comes and goes. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to, I'm going to give you the kingdom of God. And when you and I go through our day, we encounter dozens of people all day long who, who don't know what it's like to, to serve God. And I think the devil has us chasing all those other things. Because many Christians, we, we have it backwards. We, we think if we get all these things in our life fixed, then the kingdom of God will show up. Well, the kingdom of God will show up if I get my marriage, if my, my, my wife would quit nagging, my husband would quit being a jerk, my kids would behave, I could pay my bills. Then I could experience joy in the kingdom. Don't put your hand up, but you know what I'm talking about. The devil has us thinking, if we get all that fixed, then this thing will start to work. And any time you try to play baseball with football rules, it ain't going to happen. You can live in your kingdom, your way, or you can live in his kingdom, his way. I was trying to back a bus up in a very difficult situation years ago, and the owner was there, and he was trying to direct me. and I, I didn't want to do it the way that he was... You know, finally come up. He said, why don't you? And I said, listen, Jim, we can do this one of two ways. You can get in and do it your way, or I can stay in the driver's seat and do it my way, but I am not going to do it your way. <laughs> and there's so many Christians who are trying to operate in the kingdom of God by their rules. It's the kingdom of God because he's king. So he calls the shots. Are you with me so far? And here he said how it works. In his kingdom, if you want to live, you've got to die. In his kingdom, 
if, you're, if you want to hate, you've got to love. In his kingdom, if you want to get, you've got to give. And in his kingdom, if you really want to experience the kingdom of God, seek first his kingdom for the hurting. And then all these other things. You've been working on your husband and wife now for 20 years and they haven't made any improvement. Let's try something else. You've been chasing after getting out of debt for how many years and without being snotty? How's that working for you? Why don't we, why don't we try doing it his way? To seek first the kingdom of God. To get up in the morning, not with the intention, I need to make more money, I need to fix my wife, I need to fix my husband, I need to fix my kids, I need my whole life to get fixed. Why don't we say, God, help me to seek your kingdom today. I'm going to run into somebody today who is displaced to me in absence of your kingdom. Maybe I'm just going to help them even if they don't show me anything. I wonder if his word will then come to pass in our life. That's Bishop Michael Rice, lead pastor of Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available at our website, godenc.com. You can subscribe to our regular podcast through our website or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.